We're glad you guys are here today, and uh, man, I, I'm so excited about today's message. This is the, the topic we're going to hit today is one that just really strikes a chord with me, and I think with probably probably all of us in this room. And I just want to remind you that if you're wanting to go deeper into this study, in the Accidental Pharisees study, uh, we have some books available in the cafe. You can grab a copy for yourself or grab a copy for a friend. Just don't say, hey, I really thought you needed this. You know, but, uh, you know, if, if somebody in your life would, uh, would like to, you know, enjoy that, feel free to grab a copy. We'd love to get that in your hands. And, you know, we're really excited, not, uh, not this Friday, but next Friday, the 17th, we're going to be having a, a, a very special concert here uh, that, is, that is sponsored by the church. And, and uh, really, what it is, it's, a, it's an awareness night, but it also kind of serves a dual purpose as raising some funds for our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, which, as many of you know, is, is really a, a huge deal for us. It's one of the largest Celebrate, our Celebrate Recovery Ministry here is one of the largest in the state. And the work that is done is, is really, is, we may take it for granted, but there's a lot of really wonderful things that happen here. And as a part of that, we always want to be raising awareness, and we're always looking, because we're feeding 80 to 100 people every Friday night, and so that gets costly, as you can imagine. And so part of the concert is how can we raise funds to continue that ministry throughout the year. And I just want to read you an email that we got uh, just a couple of weeks ago. From a lady that lives up in Indiana, has never attended our church, but she said, I just wanted to thank you from a mother of a recovering addict. I was able to visit your CR a couple weeks ago with my son. It was amazing. He's almost three months into his recovery and is doing wonderful. But the best part is I was able to worship the Lord with him for the very first time in our lives. He's 27, and since being at the healing place and coming to Fairdale Christian CR program, he has accepted Jesus into his life. Your program, yeah. Your program at, at FCC is so amazing. I love the fellowship. It's wonderful that you feed everyone and allow them to be there and hang out with each other, and you celebrate them. I enjoyed it so much. I live uh, in Indiana, can't be there very often, but I'll be joining him as often as I can. I, I hope that you all realize that you're saving lives and how important the work is that you're doing. So, again, we want to raise awareness. That's, that's a big part. But the other part is we, we do need to, to be able to continue. It takes, it, takes resor- it takes financial resources. So maybe this concert would be something you'd be interested in. And we're going to have tickets available in the lobby if you want to buy some. Maybe you say, you know what, that's not my deal. Uh, but you know somebody who would benefit from that. Man, we challenge you to buy a ticket for them and, and maybe one for yourself and bring them. Or, or buy some to be donated. We've got a lot of people that would like to come but can't afford it. You know, it's not that much. We try to keep the costs as low as possible, but they can't afford that. So if you'd like to do that, just talk to uh, one of our CR leaders. will be out there by the vertical TVs. And we just so much appreciate your generosity. Again, you guys really have no idea just how much of a difference it makes. And so we're looking forward to that concert in just a couple of weeks. But as I mentioned, uh, really, really excited about today's message this topic, you know, Megan and I, we were riding in the car, and we, we seem to be having the same kind of conversations lately since we've been doing this study, and we've been in table groups on Wednesday nights, which hope you'll join us for that, 6.30 on Wednesday. Great time. We're having a, a blast with that. But, but Megan and I keep saying, you know, am I, am I being a Pharisee right now? Uh, something, you know, something will happen. One of us will say something. That kind of sounds a little Pharisaical, doesn't it? And what I'm realizing, and I hope that you're liking the song, that Run to the Father song, that, that really grips me. 
It's just my heart needs a surgeon and my soul needs a friend. So I keep running to the Father again and again because that's me. I'll turn a corner and think I'm doing pretty good. And then I just see this big, ugly side of myself that I think I am so broken and messed up. And, and why, do I, why do I think this way? Why do I do these things? It's because there's this little part of us that just, it just wants to rebel. And we just need to keep running back to the Father. And, and here's the thing about accidental Pharisees and why I love the title is none of us get there on purpose. I mean, I, I don't mean, when I, when I get in that mode, I don't do it because I'm, I, I want to be mean or spiteful. It just, it just happens. And, and people that I've known over the years that have been what I would consider, you know, man, they are so, so legalistic. They are so pharisaical. I know that they didn't do that because that's what they were set out to do. It just, it just happens. It's a slow fade. It's a, a slow progression into that. And the thing about a good Pharisee is they love, they love measuring. They love a good litmus test. Lots of rules. And demands, and it's easy to quickly distinguish between who is committed and who is not committed. Are you as good as I am, or are you better than me? Where do we where do we rank? And the name Pharisee, I found this out this week. I, I never knew this. The, the The name Pharisee it means separated one. It's like I'm not part of your group. I'm not part of you. I'm way over here by myself. And Pharisees in Jesus's day. Loved that. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be above and beyond everybody else. And, and, not, and even by the way that they dressed, by the way that they held themselves, by the prayers that they prayed publicly in the, in the, on the street corners. They wanted in every way to, to appear to be higher and better and separated. And, and, and not much has changed today, except we don't use the word Pharisee anymore. That's about all that's changed. We've created a new set of litmus tests, though. To show that we're at the front of the line. And, and we've got bumper stickers and t-shirts. And we use Christian buzzwords to let everybody know that we're more committed than the average person. I remember back in the day uh, when I was 16, just started driving. Of course, at that point, I, you know, I went through this crazy stuff. And then I got really excited about Jesus. And, and I remember a lot of people were driving around with the fish on the back of their car. I was like, that's pretty cool. I, when I get a car, I, wanna, I want one of those. And then he'd start seeing the little fish that said Darwin in it. Like, you know, people that were kind of like anti-creation, anti-God. And, and, uh, and, and then the, the new thing came out. I don't know if some of you all remember this, but there was a bigger one that had like the little Darwin fish. And it had a bigger one that said truth. And he was eating the Darwin fish. I was like, that's going on. And I swear to you, I had that on the back of my car for years. Because I want everybody to know where I stand you're going to know what I think about this. And so we, we got all this stuff. I, I, and, and I get it. I'm not dumping on any of that stuff. I, I'm not, I, I want to be a committed Christian. I want to. I get the, the desire to be at the front of the line. And, and I, want, I want God to, to be pleased. I want to, one day when I stand before him for him to look at me and say, well done. You did it. You know? But I also recognize that we have set up these weird little tests. And these barriers to others in their walk with God. And the attitude is very much, if you don't do it like this, then you're not doing it right. If you're not following Jesus the way that I follow Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. And, 
and I, I believe that's really done a lot of damage to the church. It's really, really not put, it's not put the grace of God in a, in a very positive light. Every so often, we get somebody call the church. This happens pretty regularly. We'll have somebody call, and uh, they want to talk to me. They're like, I, I want to talk to the pastor. And uh, so I'll be talking to them. They say, I, I'm looking for a church. And I was thinking about visiting your church, and so I was on your website, and I watched it online, and I did this, and did da He said, but I just got a few questions. Okay. Fire away. And so they'll start asking, well, what kind of a church is this? Are you guys, you know, when you think about, like, the second coming, are you pre-trib, post-trib? Like, what, what, where, where do you land on that? Now, are, you an expo- are you an expositional preacher? Like, are you expository preaching or are you more topical? Well, what do, what do you think about current events? Like, where do you land on this? And how do you see foreshadowing and blah, 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 revelation? How do you interpret this? And, I mean, those, these random questions. And, and, and I get it. I, okay, they're trying to figure out, you know, are we, are we nuts? Are we, where, where are we? Do we align, you know? But you know what question nobody ever asked me? Nobody ever asks, hey, do you all love Jesus? <laughs> That's just too generic, I guess. Or do you guys, are you guys faithful to the Word of God? Like, nobody ever asks those questions. It's always these random, like, just really specific peripheral issues. It's, what, what are you getting at here? And, and so typically the way I answer is I say, hey, listen, <laughs> we'd love for you to come visit. You know, anytime, you're always more than welcome. But if you're going to major in some of these minors... It's probably not the church for you. Because we're probably not going to get all worked up about some little minor thing that you're really worked up about. You might might, uh, want to try someplace else. You know, you don't really grow a church that well that way, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm messed up. But that's just kind of where I land, you know. And, And there's so many wrong questions. Larry Osborne in this book, he there's a quote I love it. He says, litmus test Christianity is never a good thing causes us to ask the wrong questions and it pits one part of the body of Christ against another it plays to pride fosters exclusivity and flows out of a heart of legalism and that's really what's at the heart of the issue it's legalism rules measuring let's compare Do you do these things or do you not do these things? And we ask these leading questions trying to find out where do you land? I'm going to, you know, without coming right out and asking, do you love Jesus? We'll ask these leading questions to see where if somebody's on our side or not. Excessive conformity to a law or a religious code. The Pharisees were so concerned about following the law that they made laws up just so they wouldn't miss any. That's how, that's how crazy it was. They were trying to cover all their bases. And Jesus, I mean, you read the New Testament, guys. Read it. Jesus railed against these people. He hated it. This is the one group of people that he couldn't stand. Everybody else, everybody else he had grace. Everybody else he said, hey, follow me. Hey, I'll change your life. Hey, I want to heal you. Hey, I want to love you. Let me love you. But the Pharisees... He just, he just said, man, you guys are full of death. You just never get it right. You put barriers between God and the people. In Matthew 15, he said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. 
And that is really what the essence of legalism is. This, this, is, this, is what, this is the bullseye. We've all heard the word, but what does it mean to be legalistic? Here's a great definition. Legalism is adding human tradition to God's word. What has God spoken? What has he said? Whenever we add to it, it's, it's legalism. It's measuring. It's when we say more than God says. Extra rules. Extra fences. We make the shallow end too deep, but the deep end too shallow. So let's talk a, a minute about how this plays out in our lives. I got some great stories. I can't wait. I, I love this topic. Because uh, this is the thing that kept me from God for a long time, was my encounter with legalistic people. So, uh, so I, I, get, I get pretty, pretty passionate about it pretty quick. But I want to look at the, the old school legalism and the new school Legalism, and we'll talk a little bit about the old, old school legalism. But I grew up like some of you did, uh, grew up in church, were there all the time. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, and, and even as, as I attended Bible college, our leaders were more concerned about what was in your refrigerator more than they were concerned about what was in your heart. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you're tracking with me? At the top of the list... Of these are the things that you better never do. You can't follow Jesus if you do this stuff. Is drink alcohol, smoke, or go to R-rated movies. That, that was it. And then the passion of the Christ came out and we all, all of our minds exploded. Like, what are we going to do? How do we? Because <laughs> it's rated R. And maybe that's the time that one dropped off. Right around in there. I'm not sure. But if you... if. You know, those were the things, like, you better not drink alcohol, you better not smoke, you better not go to R-rated movies. Now, if you had a critical or slanderous spirit, that's a minor character flaw. But these things, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You know, you drink beer, it's going to send you to hell. And I know that some in the older generation, I had a great-grandmother that uh, really believed you, you weren't allowed to dance. You weren't allowed to play cards. I was talking to Phil. He said, you know, back in the day, people said you weren't allowed, you couldn't mow your grass on Sundays. You know, ladies had to, you know, make sure you wear long dresses. I mean, all kinds of stuff. When I was in, in Bible college, we had strict rules about the length of men's hair. Uh, you know, couldn't t touch your collar. Had to wear certain clothes in certain buildings. I was on the cross-country team when I was in college, okay? And if you've ever watched, I mean, you know, people running... It's hot, people. I mean, it's the hottest part of the year, and you got to go out and run miles at a time. So we wear little, you get the least fabric on your body that you can get away with. And, you know, skimpy shorts, not because we're trying to make an impression, but because it's like we want to be fast. And, you, and we take, in practice, we take our shirts off, the boys, us guys, take our shirts off. And, uh, and we'd run. And we'd be running around campus, and I remember one year there was a really serious discussion about that because people had seen us running around campus, these boys with no shirts on, and said, you know, you just, you can't be following Jesus and running around with your shirt off like that. So I must have really been impressing somebody. I don't know. They were, they were, made them scared. I don't know what it was. But, uh, but that, that, we, most of us today would look at those kind of lists and we laugh. And say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I heard stories about that. Oh, you know. But, and I think we've gotten to a place now where we realize, yeah, okay, we were making mountains out of molehills. You know, those were nothing. We put all this unnecessary weight upon people. And that's what legalism does. It's when we add 
to what God says. He said this, and we, we keep adding to it. And nothing, listen, nothing will turn people away faster than that when we add to. And I, I've told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's one of my favorites. And this is, you know, I know there's sometimes that I tell a story and people ask me, Was, did that really happen? And I, I really try not to lie. I, I, now I may, sometimes I forget and kind of embellish because I'm like, I, I think that's how that went. But this one, I, my memory is 100%. This is exactly what happened. Okay, years ago, we're in Illinois, and I uh, serving at this little church, and uh, just great people. And there was one lady in particular that I really loved, and she'd always tease me a little bit every Sunday, and I'd tease her back. And man, just loved this this lady so much. And then we began to notice that she was beginning to repeat herself, and and it wasn't very long. And we, she developed Alzheimer's. And just uh, by the end, she she didn't know anybody, and it was one of the most heartbreaking things. Um, and she she passed away. And I did her funeral. And uh, she had a son, you know, grown man. He was older than me, but uh, he was, he was a, not a believer. And then going through this with his mom, it just made him so angry and bitter. And his, and his dad, who had done such a wonderful job caring for her, like a year later, I don't even think it was a year later, uh, he, had a, he had a massive stroke and died real unexpectedly. So there we are again. I mean, it just felt like deja vu. Here we are in the funeral home all over again. And one day, because her son, I, I didn't have a relationship with him at all. We call him Eddie. Didn't have a relationship with Eddie at all. Never had seen him at church. I knew he wasn't a believer, and he was just kind of an angry kind of dude. Just I would describe him as like a, just a real good old boy, just a big, bulky kind of just, you know, just a good old boy. And I went over to his house one day. I said, hey, you know, I just sitting talking to him, and so man, I just want you to know how much I love your loved your mom, and you know, kind of swapping stories. And I said, "Well, I'm so sorry about your dad too." And we're sitting out there on the back porch, and the whole time he's drinking beer. And I could, he just, he just had a chip on his shoulder, you know. He's just waiting for me to say something so that he can pounce on it. I was just trying to love the guy. And he and he said to me, <laughs> he said, "You know, preacher, I bet you think I'm a big old sinner." Because here I sit drinking this beer, right? I said, no, Eddie. I don't think you're a terrible sinner because you're drinking beer. I think you're a terrible sinner because you're drinking bush light. <laughs> and, man, he roared at that. And he laughed. And, uh, and I remember we talked, and he opened up a little bit. And it was just a few months after that I baptized him. I mean, just, the Lord just grabbed a hold of him, and, and I, it's not credit for me, and I don't want you to get the wrong picture that I'm trying to say, oh, look what I did. It wasn't about me. It was about what God was doing in his life, but he needed somebody who wasn't going to impose extra rules on him. He needed somebody who would show him what the love of the Lord is like and, and, and not make a judgment call on, on these peripheral issues. And, and uh, now, there, there is something to be said for, for being responsible, and I know a lot of people have had their lives ripped apart by alcoholism and different things like that. But these issues have been around a long time, way before us. You know, the problem with, uh, this is just as a side note, I just thought this is interesting. We're, we're all familiar with prohibition. It's kind of like this great social experiment. But 
what we forget is at the time in this country, the average American over 15 years old was drinking the equivalent of 90 bottles of bourbon a year. And I mean, they three times as much alcohol as the, you know, any other time in history. I mean, and that was the average. So you know, there's way more than that. And the, the funny thing about prohibition, I, I really believe it started with noble intentions. And the church rallied behind it. You've heard the expression, there's no such thing as a free lunch. That came out of prohibition. Because at the time, it was common for bars and saloons, they would post a, a sign in the window saying, free lunch. And so guys on their work break, if they're working at the factory, they go to the, to the bar, to the saloon, and they get a free sandwich. And then they would spend all of their paycheck on booze. And then they'd get so drunk, they'd go home and beat their wives. And so when Prohibition came along, the church rallied behind it, saying, yes, this will be a good change. Because we've gotten way over here. So, you know, sometimes when that, for that pendulum to swing, you've got to, you know, you've got to swing it. The problem with it was, what quickly happened is it became a sign of spiritual maturity, or it's just a sign that you were following Jesus if you didn't drink. If you were a non-drinker, well, then you're a good person. That's legalism. That's, that's the definition of it. Is, this is what the Pharisees do, is they judge other people based upon what they do and what they don't do. And in the early church, there were two major fights that broke out. I mean, when the church was just, I mean, they're just getting the wrapping paper off of it. And there were two major things that were just threatening to split it. One was, can we eat the meat that has been sacrificed to idols? You know, people would, the pagans would go in and they'd offer sacrifices. And that meat would get cooked. Well, then they would sell it out in the market. You could go buy meat, like, you know, anywhere else and, and eat it, whatever. And there were some, there was one group of Christians saying, no way, you cannot eat that. That meat was sacrificed to idols. It's bad. It's bad for you. No, no, no. And they had some Old Testament scriptures that they were using to back that up. And then there were some, this other group that said, yes, we can eat it. And they pointed to passages that declared that idols were nothing more than powerless man-made images. And so there was nothing wrong with this meat. We can eat it and there's no big deal here. That was the first fight. The second fight that broke out was a battle over the Sabbath. Do we rest or do we not? They disagreed strongly over whether Gentile Christians were required to obey the Jewish Sabbath. And it was a big, big deal. And this is what Paul says about these two issues in Romans 14. It's a pretty surprising answer. He says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way... Some think that one day is more holy than another day, while others think that every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor Him. 
Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and he rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God for the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. In other words, Paul says, back off, guys. Knock it off. Don't, don't measure. Just stop. The thing about legalists, though, this is, the, this is the problem. The thing about legalists, they do not see themselves as legalistic. They, they do not see it. It is a blind spot. They see themselves as being obedient. That's what they see. And some of you right now, you're, you're, I know, I, I get it. You're, you're coming up with all kinds of rebuttals to some of the things I'm saying. Yeah, but, 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 I know, but you're thinking, yeah, but what about this? And you're exactly who I'm talking to right now. I hope that you hear this. <laughs> you really need to hear this. You're majoring in minors. And Paul said, knock it off. Stop. Stop condemning other people. Jesus said in Luke 11, you Pharisees, you're so careful. You clean and clean and clean and clean the outside of the cup. Oh, you're scrubbing it. You're polishing that thing. And you do that, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? See, we're really good at putting on a good show. You know, I can polish myself. Why, why does Jesus hate legalism so much? Why does he hate it so much? This is why. Because legalism looks only at the outside. That's all it sees. It looks only at what's on the outside. But God looks only at the heart. Only. That's the only thing he sees. I think about stories throughout the throughout the Bible, where God would choose the lowly. He would choose the unexpected. He would choose things and people and places that we would say, what? That doesn't make any sense. Look at them. They, they're, they're, not, they're not up to snuff. And God chose them every single time because, he said, I don't look at the outside. I'm looking at something much deeper. Legalism uses tests to determine, is this person really following Jesus? He looks only at the outside and makes a judgment call based upon that. What, but God is wondering, what, what motivates you? What influences you? Are, are, is your heart full of greed or lust or anger? Are you a manipulator? Are you a divisive person? Are you stirring up trouble? And I believe with all my heart that God's going to deal with that person way before the, the one that feels like they're hanging on to their faith just by their fingertips. You say, oh, I'm just struggling, I'm just struggling, I'm just, I'm stumbling. I feel like I'm stumbling in my walk with God. I think Jesus said, just keep going. Just keep going. It's so easy for us 
as accidental Pharisees to look at somebody who's struggling and say, what's wrong with them? Why can't they get it together? You know, they just need to do this, this, and this. They need to knock that off. Why don't you trust God more? What's wrong with you? Why won't you trust God more? You know, it's easy to hand down judgment from on high when you're not walking a mile in someone's shoes. So easy for us to look and say, you know, why, why, why do they keep doing that? God is looking at the heart, guys. He's looking at the heart. Never forget it. This, this new brand of Christian legalism, though, you've got, you got kind of like the old, old legalism, and we've got like the old legalism. And now we've got this new brand. And this one really concerns me. Because this is what the new legalism is, is all about. Larry, Larry Osborne talks about like this. He categorizes it. He calls it radical, crazy, missional, gospel-centered, revolutionary, and organic. It's kind of this idea of, I am so radically committed to God. Look at the things that I do. I'll sacrifice anything. I'm so, I'm so radically generous, I, you know, and, you, and you don't do enough. You know, you're not giving enough. You, you're, not, you're, you're not living simply enough. And how dare you make a good living? You know, we're judging other people for doing well. And, or those that say, I'm crazy in love with Jesus. I'm crazy in love with Jesus. So I'm willing to take a wild leap of faith. I just, whoo, I'll jump off a bridge for Jesus. And that's the real test of whether or not you're following Jesus is how, how much are you willing to just risk it all? Those people wouldn't be a big fan of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says we ought to make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. It doesn't really jive with the radical crazy. Uh, so, some of the most faithful men and women I've ever known that love Jesus with all their heart, they look a lot like that verse. Quiet, tranquil lives, faithfully following the Lord, kind of not getting in other people's business kept pointing them to Jesus. One of the things that's bothered me over the years, I've, I've been to different conferences and different speakers and all these experts, and, and the big buzzword is radical or risk-taking. Risk you know, you got you to you just go whew, all out. And I'll be honest, I, I would categorize myself as a calculated risk-taker. You know, I, I want to research a little bit. I'm going to wait till there's a little bit of evidence, and I just, I just don't like to go way out on a limb and see what happens. I'm just not into jumping off into who knows what. But I heard a guy say one time that if you sit around and wait until 90% of the evidence is in, you'll always be too late. So you need to just go for it. You can't wait around for that. You know, you got to risk everything and go wild and do things that if God's not in them, oh, it's going to fail. It's going to blow up in your face. That just sounds like testing God too much to me. I, just, just doesn't sound. It just doesn't work for me, and, and and I could see maybe doing that once or twice in a lifetime, but I can't imagine living and leading all the time with that kind of mentality. It just maybe it's just me, but that just seems way too stressful, and 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 seems like testing, putting the Lord to the test. And you know, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it tells us to do that. I just I just don't see anywhere in the Bible. Where it says that this is how you know if you're really following Jesus. Is that you are willing to just whew, risk everything, risk it all, and go crazy, and be radical, and do all these things. I just don't see it. What I do see, Jesus said, follow me. Obedience. Be obedient. Follow me 
faithfully. In John 14, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So before we get up on our high horse and, and, and think, well, real Christians are, are theology experts, you know, or they're, they're, they're running off to start soup kitchens everywhere. You know, everybody should start a soup kitchen. Or we, we're going to go wild. We're going to bet the farm. And we're going to go nuts because God's big enough and God's worth it. And we're going to do it for God. And whatever we do for God, that's it. Like, before we start doing that, maybe we ought to slow down a little bit. And check our intentions. All those expressions, they're, they're trying to emphasize something good. But they're all teetering on this dangerous cliff. Osborne writes, he says, the moment we allow our personal passion and calling to become the litmus test by which we decide who is and who isn't a genuine disciple, we've taken a step too far. At that point, we're no longer building the kingdom. We have started to tear it down. So, the solution. And my my charge to us today, we've got to guard grace we've got to guard grace the worst thing about legalism is what it does to mercy it casts people aside and then it walks away that's what legalistic Christianity does it just puts you puts you in a group you know you're not good enough you're over there you're not you don't have it you can't figure it out and then it just walks away with its nose turned up in the air and some of you have experienced that by a family member or a friend or maybe just even the crazy person you saw holding the sign on the street corner and you thought, what in the world is going on? Jesus loved to pick fights with those people. <laughs> he did, and, and he picked fights with Pharisees over this stuff. He, he wouldn't listen to their logic. He just kept driving his point home, which is that mercy trumps legalism every time. Every time, mercy trumps sacrifice every time and Ephesians 2 says God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this it's a gift from God salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so none of us can boast about it in Matthew 9 13 Jesus said these words he added now go and learn the meaning of this scripture I want to show you mercy not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. That's who he came for. And that's us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for always loving us unconditionally. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to follow you and to, to walk deeper and deeper. That you, you lead us in a way that we are, we're learning and we're growing at all times. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us to learn from you. To, to help us to walk with you and, and to not look behind us, but to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you, your, your mercy is new every morning. That your grace is abundant and it is enough for all. I pray, Lord, that those that are lost in our world today, we recognize them, we see the pain and the brokenness in their life, 
Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead people to come to know you in a way that is life-changing and help us to represent you well as we show them just a small, small glimpse of who Jesus is. Help us to do that well. I ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.